On this prequel episode, we're following up on Fantastic Mr. Fox, learning about scary kids, and previewing Children of the Corn. Hello, welcome back to a prequel episode of This Film's Lit, podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. Uh, let's get right into it with our first segment, which is going to be our follow-up polls, our listener polls on Fantastic Mr. Fox. Katie, what do people think? Um, so the movie won out. We didn't get all that many votes on this yeah. one. We got um, maybe like half as many as we got for our, our Lord of the Rings. If not less. Series. Yeah, if not less than. Um, so on Facebook, uh, the... The movie kind of just like barely barely scraped out. out a victory. It got fifty-seven, vote, yeah, fifty-seven percent of the vote. <clears throat> the book got forty-three percent of the vote. We didn't get a lot of like interesting comments mm-hmm. this time. Um, we did get one comment on Instagram um, apologizing that they weren't able to finish the episode I, because of not, the meltdown. It's not. Uh, I I get it. Like I said, <laughs> yeah. we said you know I get it. It uh, yeah. I get it. If anybody was not able to get it through because they were annoyed yeah. or whatever, that's fine. Um, it was a bit of a meltdown. I don't generally, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. We did have a comment on Facebook from Ashley um, who said that she hadn't read the book, but um, basically said that it wouldn't surprise her if uh, Wes Anderson just like set aside substance mm-hmm. while adapting this particular one. Um which I don't think I disagree with. No, for sure. Definitely, definitely the case. Um, and then over on Twitter, we uh, the movie won uh, by a, a larger margin mm-hmm. over there, 67% of the vote. Uh, the book got 33%. Um, we had one comment from Shelby mm-hmm. um, who said, I really enjoyed the book. It's like a Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd cartoon, but with stakes. That's fair. And, um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, it doesn't have like the the zany stuff, right? Like he's not like throwing imaginary uh, doorways and right. sides of walls or anything like yeah. that. But yeah, kind of a similar thing. Um, and then on Instagram, I wanted to talk about this real quick because I thought it was an interesting insight. Um, we got a DM from um, Doug M. Campbell, mm-hmm. who has been a listener and follower for a while. Um, who had, um, was kind of, I guess, ruminating on the idea of like a theme or a message right. in this movie after we talked about it um, and said, um, let me see where I want to start here. Um, Wes Anderson, I believe, was trying to tell a more personal story on the negative aspects of trying to recapture the glory days of your youth. For Mr. Fox, as a character who was good at snatching chickens and playing sports, but then events happened that forced him to change. And now Mr. Fox is left unfulfilled in midlife having um, in life having a midlife crisis of sorts because of the image he once had. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, his son Ash is under his father's shadow, um, tries to live up to him even though he can't. Um, ultimately, I feel like the through line with the film and the and the ending especially is that life will change. While you can reminisce about your past, it's more important to appreciate what you have in life now and new memories that in what new memories you're missing out on. Um, so I I thought that was an interesting yeah, take. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very valid yeah. uh, reading of the film. Um, I think my biggest problem with that is that to me that I didn't 
like Fox as a character, mm-hmm. at least as played the way written and played by George Clooney. Mm-hmm. Um, I so I didn't much care about his sort of personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just had I trouble identifying a... with him in any way. Like, he was just kind of a jerk, it seemed like, mm-hmm. most of the movie. And I, I I didn't see the spark. Maybe if they'd given me more in the beginning to of the spark of, of why people, like, why his wife loved him and why. Because mm-hmm. our first scene with them is them stealing chickens together. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and I just sort of felt... Um, I don't know. I think if I had liked the character more, mm-hmm. then that would have maybe stuck yeah. out to me more. No, I I do think that's a good reading of it. Yeah. I think that probably like as a theme or a message makes more sense yeah. than anything we maybe talked about. Yeah. Um now I will say that I didn't get that reading, but I think I might have got that reading if they hadn't added the character of Christofferson. If it, if there had just been more of a focus on like right. on like the the dad trying to relive his youth and the son trying to live up to that image without like the extra character and the extra conflict, yeah, yeah, potentially. I and think I think it, th- it might have come through more clearly. Yeah, and I think there's just enough other sort of loose messages mixed in that it sort yeah. of dilutes that yeah that if gets, they had like, made that garbled. the stronger main point like if they had focused more on that um overall i think it might have come through stronger mm-hmm. but i mean that's definitely there and i you know and we talked about living up to your the the whole the the the, uh, the relationship between ash and um his dad and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 yeah, no, I think it's perfectly uh, valid and definitely probably for sure what the movie, one of the main sort of thesis is thesis that the movie was putting forward. Um, I just had trouble identifying it, I think. And fine. And also, yeah, I didn't find it particularly. And it just felt to me like there was much richer um, mm-hmm. thematic grounds to till there. Yeah. I think there that, was just like a lot of stuff in the way. Yeah, and maybe other potentially more interesting things. I think yeah, we could have focused on. I think like there's just, yeah. I think to me that there's more interesting things they could have focused on, and especially with just the setup of the way the story lays out. It it, it to me, I was looking for something more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the, the commenting more on society than on uh, fam- like a per single person, right? And sort of dealing with life, I guess, because it was about the society and about. I don't know, but yeah, no, for sure. That's a that's a very good um, analysis, and I think that I mean that's definitely. And I guess, like I said, I think I got that out of it to some extent. Mm-hmm. It just it, to me, it wasn't satisfying. But yeah, or, or yeah. and and I also just don't find that particularly like illuminating. Maybe is mm-hmm. that part of it too? Like that I that 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 message doesn't particularly strike me as super meaningful not mm-hmm. that it's not meaningful just to me for whatever reason right I, I don't know if it's a message that everyone can necessarily identify with yeah well i mean I, I yeah i think everybody can identify with it to some extent to me it just doesn't like huh, i don't know yeah i, I think i just revert back to the same thing that to me it's just not super interesting mm-hmm. um but and it's i don't think it comes through clear enough to be like yeah. to, to to therefore make the movie very successful, I guess it would yeah. be my argument. But no, I would yeah. I would agree with that. There's a lot going on. Yeah. All right, that was it for our follow up poll and uh, comments. Let's move on to learning things and talk about scary ass children. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. 
Yeah, so we're going to talk about children as a horror trope. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one of the more popular, maybe most popular tropes in the horror genre. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more popular yeah. tropes. Yeah. Um, so uh, we might hear this called a uh, demonic child, creepy child, um, bad seed, mm-hmm. or maybe demon seed. Um, and what this trope plays on is kind of that juxtaposition of innocence and like creepiness mm-hmm. or murderousness. Murderiness, murderiness. Um, So we, you know, we think of children as being innocent, um, as being in need of protection, like they need an adult with them. Um, So by inverting this, the trope kind of is poking at some deep rooted fears. Yeah. Um, A child might not be like physically dangerous. Maybe, maybe sometimes they are. Most of the time, not. Yeah. Um, But kind of that unnaturalness of the creepy child is really just chilling. Yeah. I would also, I think part of what goes into that, I'm making sure I'm not jumping into your other notes and it doesn't look like I am. I think it, it, because it violates the, like you said, the innocent need of adult protection. And also there's like a deep seated evolutionary um, reaction to children mm-hmm. that humans have and pretty much all species that breed um, of, uh, yeah, you, you like you said that innocence and they they need your help, they need your protection, and so applying um, the inverse of yeah. that onto a child is it, it inherently puts us on edge and is weird yeah. and weirds us out. So yeah. Um, so we have some kind of variations on this trope. Um, you can have kids who act or seem just kind of unnaturally adult. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have like emotional. That's why Jerry Maguire is a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, emotionless kids. Um, and of course, our uh, murderous or like psychopathic, mm-hmm. um, the variety. And then, of course, orphans, yeah, which I put which in as their truly own category. The, scariest, the most terrifying. The most terrifying. Orphans. <laughs> Um, creepy children are frequently female, um, but there are plenty of example of boys in the role um, in the of in this trope. Yeah, I would say it's. I would bet that it's probably pretty even. I think it probably is, um, but I think more of the well known examples maybe tend to be female. Maybe I mean I you would argue that the the example at least to me mm-hmm. well i guess there's two like main examples and one of them's female and to me the other one's male and one being the exorcist mm-hmm. um which again she's possessed which is slightly different and then the other being the omen which is a boy yeah so like to me those are like i don't know the, the like if you just if you have sam and i have like scary kids name three i'd be like damien the girl from uh uh the Exorcist, and maybe like. What about the girl from the Bad Seed? I don't know what that is. All right. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't know what that is. Is that a movie? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the movie um, for which the very that variation on the trope is named. I oh, believe. I don't know. To me, the the Omen is like the one of uh-huh. these, but I may I, that's just me. I don't know. Like, if you had me to name one, I would say the Omen, yeah. and I would say Damien, but. But anyways. Um, but I was reading a, a really interesting article. I can link it mm-hmm. at some point um, about like why um, 
it's so often little girls in this kind of role Mm -hmm. and like how it plays on that kind of juxtaposition of innocence um, like even more so, right? Yeah, because yeah. we even more so than little boys, right. we expect right. little. I mean, little girls are sugar and yep. spice and yep. everything nice. Yeah, there's definitely even an inherent um, uh, misogyny in that. In, yeah, in terms of that sort of um, uh, default uh, stereotype we have of little kids, yeah. even is. And if you were go going to look at little kids and go, okay, little kids innocent versus adults. Little kids are more innocent. Innocent versus uh, mean bo- little boys or little girls. Generally, if you pulled yeah. people, they would say, "Yeah, little girls." Yeah, little girls, more. totally, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Until they murder you. Yeah. Um. So there are some tropes that go hand in hand with this trope, uh, like uh, mini tropes, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, creepy singing or nursery rhymes. Troplets, I believe. Yeah, troplets. <laughs> <laughs> also, creepy dolls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and creepy drawings mm-hmm. done by the creepy children. Yes, those all all fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, this trope often also has supernatural themes. Doesn't necessarily have to, but it often does. Uh, the kid could be Almost like always, a yeah. literal demon. Um, for example, like Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have like undead horrors. Like in Pet Cemetery, which we've done, or mm-hmm. The Girl from the Ring. Yep. Um, and then I included this as its own kind of category because it's a little bit different, I think. Um, but vampires um, or like similar mythological um, creatures. creatures. Yeah. So you have a creature that looks like a kid but is actually pretty old. Um, like Claudia from Interview with the Vampire. Um, there are a couple of characters whose names escape me in the Twilight series that are like creepy little kids. Uh, the one that sticks out to me because it's a fantastic movie and they just remade it. But uh, the movie Let the Right One In mm-hmm. is about a little uh, it's about two kids. But one of them is a little girl is a child. I'll say for lack of spoilers is a child. <laughs> it, it's complicated um, in the let the right one in, but uh, is a child who is a vampire, mm-hmm. um, but is also we find out like a thousand years old or whatever yeah. because it's a vampire. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah, let the right one in. They remade it with Clo- uh, Gr- Chloe Grace Moretz and mm-hmm. let the let let me in. I think was the oh, American. Yeah, I, I think it was the that. American yeah. version, but it's like a Danish film or something mm-hmm. originally. Really good uh, from like the '90s or early 2000s. Called Let the Right One In. I highly recommend it if people haven't seen it and want to watch like a an interesting psychological like mm-hmm. vampire love story. <laughs> like it's a it's a it's a different movie, but it's really good. All right, um, a couple other notable examples. Um, that I haven't mentioned, uh, Pearl and the Scarlet Letter is mm-hmm. kind of a creepy, like unnaturally adultish little kid. Yeah, uh, young Tom Riddle mm-hmm. in Harry Potter, I think qualifies for sure. Aaliyah in Dune. Um, Ron, I haven't read um, or seen Dune, so I'll take I haven't your word either. For it. But I looked up some of these. I, I looked up a video, and it was pretty creepy. There you go. Um, Aaliyah, I already said that. Um, Rhonda in the Bad Seed, I mentioned, and you brought up uh, Damien mm-hmm. in the Omen. Um, Esther Coleman in Orphan, which is kind huh? of what? spoilers. If anybody wants to watch the movie The Orphan. It's about to be spoiled. Skip ahead 10 seconds. That's the whole twist of the movie. I know. It's the whole, okay, okay, I'm just letting you know. Go ahead. <laughs> um, it's sort of inverted because she ends up being an adult who looks like a kid. Yeah. Um, kind of like our vampire um, yeah. variant. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to bring this up since um, 
this has been popular on Amazon lately, mm-hmm. the series. Um, this gets subverted in Good Omens, where you have the literal Antichrist who ends up bringing a pretty normal kid. There you go. Um, so there are loads of examples of this. Mm-hmm. Um, this little talk here really doesn't even begin to scrape the surface. Um, and then there are even more examples of stories that just kind of play with this idea and mm-hmm. don't really have it as like a main trope. Right. Um, so... Are there any examples we didn't name that you love? And what are your favorite examples of creepy kids? We want to hear from you guys. There you go. Favorite creepy kids. I'm trying to think of one we didn't talk about. Could we, count, right. could we count the kid from uh, The Sixth Sense? He's kind of creepy. Yeah, he's a little creepy. And that that's one of the ones where you're talking about where it's, it's I mean, it doesn't end up him being kind of weird and creepy isn't the point. Right. They just kind like, of play with the, use that to yeah, make they, the move yeah. and be ambiance in the whole story a little more off putting. Yeah. But he's just a normal kid. He's just kind of like sees dead people. But totally normal otherwise. <laughs> totally normal otherwise. <laughs> All right. That was it for our learning things segment. Let's move on and talk about Children of the Corn, the book. Every child is afraid of the dark, the unknown. The nightmare in Gatlin, Nebraska. That nightmare is in the corn. <laughs> Stephen King's Children of the Corn. All right. Uh, so this is a short story by Stephen King. Um, it was first published in the March 1977 issue of Penthouse. I always there think it's interesting when this kind of stuff yeah. crops up in like penthouse or playboy um it was later collected in king's 1978 collection night shift Mm -hmm. um and it is also in the collection stephen king goes to the movies so if you want to read it you can pick up either of those collections i assume stephen king goes to the movies is a collection of short stories that have been made into movies i believe so yeah makes sense Yeah. yeah Um, So it has a couple of connections to other King stories, which is something that he um, is wont to do. Uh, The fictional town of Gatlin, um, which is, I believe, the main town in this story, um, is also mentioned in It. Um, And Hemingford Home, a neighboring town to Gatlin, was also the town where Mother Abigail um, lived in The Stand. And it was also the location of The Last Rung on the Ladder, and 1922. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. The Stephen King cinematic or liter- literary universe. Right. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, like you said, he definitely had done his fair share of weaving and mixing mm-hmm. of settings in his stories. All right, let's talk about Children of the Corn, the film. From Stephen King, the author of Carrie, The Shining, The Dead Zone, and Christine, an adult nightmare. Children of the Corn. Stephen King's Children of the Corn, an adult nightmare. As it's clear now, we don't have many facts. I there was not much. Yeah, there was not much out, out there, there about this movie. Um, I'm sure there's more than I could find in a uh, a search this afternoon, but there wasn't. There's usually a, a fair amount of stuff, and this I was like, all right, well, I guess we're gonna have a short episode. So. <laughs> Uh, it is a 1984 film directed by Fritz Kirsch. It was his directorial debut, and he's only directed like 13 films total. This mm-hmm. is definitely his most popular one. 
Uh, it was written by George Goldsmith or adapted by George Goldsmith. <clears throat> the movie had an $800,000 budget, which is pretty cheap even in 1984, and it made $14.6 million, which is a not bad. very good return on yeah. investment. Because even if you're going in with the advertising, <clears throat> the movie made four, 10, 12 times its money back, which is quite, quite good. Stephen King wrote uh, a script of this based on his own short story after the movie rights were purchased by Hal Roach Studios. And how, but the Hal Roach Studio executives didn't want to use King's script uh, for whatever reason. And they hired George Goldsmith to rewrite it. Uh, and Goldsmith talking about this said that Stephen King's story focused uh, or started with a, <laughs> 35 pages of Bert and Vicky, who are the adults, I think, mm-hmm. and the, the main characters in the, mo- in the book or in the movie, uh, arguing in a car. And so he decided that that was too boring, and uh, he wanted to tell the story of, through the eyes of two new characters, and they end up being child characters. So I don't know how that'll differ from the book, but those characters are either not in the book or not mm. in the book very much. So hmm. uh, on the dashboard of Burton Vicky's car, I assume in the beginning of the movie is a copy of Night Shift, as you mentioned earlier, mm. which is the collection that this is from. Uh, overall, this movie has not have great reviews. Uh, it's got a 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, Roger Ebert gave it one star, one out of four stars, or thumbs up, Yikes. however they do that. Yeah, uh, I think he does stars. One out of four. I'm looking at this in our notes, and I thought it said one-fourth of a star. Well, yeah, I, I wrote one out of four, and it, the, it, auto. it auto-corrected <laughs> to one-fourth of a star, which is would be even worse. But uh, yeah, yeah it's, this movie doesn't have great reviews. I've actually never seen it, uh, but it mm-hmm. is a bit of a cult kind of classic yeah. in terms of, like, it's pretty popular, and it, at least it's more culturally... It has entered the cultural consciousness mm-hmm. in a way maybe beyond what its, uh, it's quality it's of film like is, a potentially. Sequels oh, they made like eight yeah. different spinoffs and sequels and that sort of thing. Like, there's a bunch of movies. But I think, it, I, again, I don't know. I'd be interested to see... Um, if if people say like if our audience how much they how many people have seen it and what if they like like it or not mm-hmm. I guess because I know people that like it but again I was kind of surprised by how in general even like IMDb the scores weren't super high it had like a six like the viewer mm-hmm. rating was like a six out of ten or something mm-hmm. which is you know uh, not horrible especially for like a, a horror movie. But it's not great. Um, usually, you know, yeah. like the better horror movies are up around eights and nines and that sort of thing. Six uh, out of ten, that's a D. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, but it, so I'm a, I'm a little interested to see how it is because mm-hmm. I've never seen it. But it's, it's like I said, it's one of those things that's totally inter- the cultural yeah. awareness. Yeah. And I wonder if it's if it if that's above and beyond its actual um like has it transcended? Yeah, has its it original, transcended its original uh, like, quality? Yeah, <laughs> and become this. You know, it's, it is kind of a cultural meme at this point, uh, and has been for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do wonder. I'm interested to actually watch the movie because mm-hmm. it's one of those ones that's just like, for whatever reason, I never saw. Main reason I just don't watch any horror movies, but still, just never saw it. And so, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Um. I'm going to try not to go in looking for any deep cultural messages <laughs> about society. And I'll probably find some anyways. But That is Stephen King. Yeah. 
Yeah, his will have something. Yeah, about. it'll have it'll have some kind of message, unless Although, they really butchered it like they did. They with did Pet rewrite Cemetery. it. And he did dislike a lot of <laughs> the changes, from what I've heard. Mm. There were elements of what they changed that he, I read that he did not like. I don't know what specifically, but there is stuff that he was not happy. Right, well, so, anyways, we'll that's that. It and, uh, uh, we maybe, have to figure out where that's at. To yeah, watch. we haven't looked for it anywhere yet. No. But uh, maybe we could also. We live in the Midwest. Maybe we could go find a cornfield and have like a photo shoot. There you go. They're great. There's cornfields everywhere. There really are. And we're almost to the point where we can go down to the corn maze. The corn maze is probably already open. Corn maze. Yeah, we have a. There's a farm not too far from us that has a big corn maze, so they may. Oh, I'm going to pose this question to you guys because I've been asking this question for a long time. Why aren't corn mazes called maze mazes? (laughs) I want to know. Give me your input. (laughs) Why don't we call them maze mazes? There you go. And on that note, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And and keep keep being awesome. awesome.